Drive Time Radio with New York Vinny. And a very good Saturday morning to you. It is Drive Time Radio here on 1150 KKNW. New York sitting in with you, hanging out with you on a Saturday morning as we take a walk through the automotive landscape, the automotive lifestyle, as we look at cars and the people that move them around. <laughs> uh, yes, that's what we do here on Saturday morning, and we try to have fun doing it. So hopefully you and everybody else will be able to enjoy the next hour. Call your friends, call the kids, gather them around the radio, and tell them that for the next hour or so, we are going to have some automotive fun. It'll be the most fun you can have uh, since you played license plate bingo in the backseat of your car when you were nine years old. Remember the license plate bingo? You used to have the, the card and you would look at cards, license plates from different states. By the way, on the subject of license plates, might I just say, might I just add in here that I think that one of the worst things that's happened to this uh, to this country, to the automotive lifestyle, is the um, the boring up of license plates. Now, in recent years, they've kind of come back from it a little bit, but there was a time when every license plate from every state looked the same. Now I remember when we were kids, uh, you know, when things were, were, were when things when everything was perfect in the world. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, that license plates from each state were very distinctive. As a matter of fact, I remember Alaska license plates that were shaped like a bear. Uh, now you have uh, different types of license plates. You have sports team logos and so on and so forth. But there's a uniqueness or a sameness. There's, a, there's actually a sameness about all of these license plates if you don't buy the special license plate that looks the same. I saw a New York plate. Now, New York plates always had New York colors on them, except for a time in the 80s when we were all confused and they made white New York license plates with red on them. I don't know who got that idea, but they changed that back to uh, the state colors, which are orange and blue. Now I saw a New York license plate the other day, and it's white with yellow on it. It looked like puke. So I know it's a small thing, but you know what? It's something that that if you're a young kid today and you're playing license plate bingo sitting in the back seat of your father's Tesla or your mother's BMW, by all means, you are perplexed. Was that California or was that Colorado? Was that North Dakota, South Dakota, North Carolina, South Carolina? What was it? I didn't see it. We need to bring back those 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 state colored license plates with the mottos on them. Every state you could tell every state because almost every state had a motto on it. The state motto, like in New York, it's Excelsior, ever upward. Um, in California. I don't know if they had them in the California plates, actually. Uh, their state motto is Eureka. Uh, I've been watching a little too many Three Stooges lately because <laughs> when I said Eureka, I immediately thought, Eureka of what? <laughs> oh, Vinny, sometimes you crack yourself up doing this show. Anyway, we got a good show planned for you this morning. Uh, we're going to jump into 
uh, street racing a little bit and uh, talk about what's going on as far right now as street racing. And there is a lot going on with uh, what many perceive to be a problem. And I, and, and I think it is a problem in this area. Uh, there is, um, look, kids get cars and they immediately want to make them go faster. No matter what car you get, uh, 99% of the boys that get a car, the, the first thing that they do is they head on over to the, uh, to the uh, I was going to say hobby shop, but it's not the hobby shop, uh, the, um, the speed shop or the auto accessory place, and they get something that will either make the car go faster or look like it's going faster. Uh, wheels, better tires, so all different types of things. And these, and these things have been developed over the past years. Now, when I was a kid, uh, and I used that phrase a lot, but, but let's just say previously, in, a, in an earlier time, um, you went to a, a, a speed shop and you bought things like chrome valve covers. And then if you, as you started to learn more about your car or you had a friend that knew a lot about cars or a, a friend that worked at a gas station or something like that, uh, you, you want a, a little bit more. Maybe you bought a better cam for the car. Maybe you bought, uh, you know, a, a different lifters for the car. Maybe you bought a whole entire different motor out of a Cadillac or out of a racing car or something like that, a higher horsepower motor. Well, cars today come with a lot of horsepower. Cars today come with uh, much better developed engines than uh, we had back in the 60s and the 70s. And so these cars already go fast when the kids get into them. And naturally, when cars go fast, the natural inclination with male hormones is to see which car goes faster. It's pretty much like, um, like prostitution. You're not going to stop it. It's not going to stop. Uh, the The best thing you can do uh, without too much of a problem in, in not violating somebody's civil rights or something is either to catch the, the, the kids that are racing, write them up, confiscate their cars, and go through that process. And in these days of um, not being able to have enough police around to protect the citizens and chase after drag racers, uh, the drag racers, uh, the street racers, kind of get away with a lot, a lot more than they did when I was a, a, a younger man. Although we had sense enough when I was young to find a place to race that was out of the way and that actually protected people. We raced at a place called a Connecting Highway. And it was a highway that had a uh, that was cut into the ground. So you stood, as a matter of fact, I have somewhere here, I'm going to try to find it for you, a picture of the Connecting Highway, of me actually driving on it. And the... The whole thing with the Connected Highway was you could get, and we saw on a Friday and Saturday night, you'd get five, six, seven, eight, ten thousand 10,000 people would, would show up 
to um, to watch the races, but the people that were watching the races were, I don't know, four stories above where the highway was. So if there was an accident, uh, usually the only person that got hurt was the person either driving the car or in, a, in, in, in the other car or something along those lines. Very rarely was there an accident where people uh, that weren't participating in the race got hurt. Now, I'm not advocating that we that we uh, do that, but what I am saying is we need to think this out a little bit because it's not going to stop. Uh, they they did all kinds of things to try to stop us from uh, from gathering when we were kids. They uh, watered down the highway, which usually stopped things. But the only thing was is that the racing moved to another spot, another less safe spot. There's where you got into. Um, there was another place called Laurel Hill Boulevard where people used to race. And that was under a highway with two cemeteries, a cemetery on each side. So you would go down this long straight strip on Laurel Hill Boulevard in Queens and you would race down there. But the poles for the highway that supported the the elevated highway were right on the side. And many, many times people were killed or injured by losing control of their cars and hitting those poles. Some terrible accidents on Laurel Hill Boulevard uh, that involved uh, both uh, the, the racers and the people that were gathered to watch them. I know that in Southern California many years ago, uh, the police and uh, the local auto club, the Southern California Auto Club, I think it was them. I'm not, I'm not sure it was the auto club. Maybe it was the local SCCA or something like that opened up the drag strip at night that they had quite a few drag strips down there and did grudge matches run what you brung i think i think the solution here is is twofold number one i don't disagree with the putting the speed cameras on uh, these most likely spots where uh this racing occurs there's a list of, uh, of intersections, a list of streets in the city, 10 of them around Seattle, where the city council has voted to install cameras. Now, that's all well and good, except that when you do that, the only thing that's going to happen is they're either going to put fake license plates over their, uh, over their cars or put the screens on them so you can't see the license plates. Or there'll be some, you know, somebody will come up with a way to not identify the cars. It's just, it's the, it's the, it's the way it goes. It becomes a game, and the kids today are smart. They know how to circumvent these systems. Uh, by the way, the ten intersections uh, that uh, they will be installed will be Alki between Sixty Third and Harbor, Harbor between Alki and Spokane. West Marginal, between Spokane and 2nd Avenue Southwest, Sandpoint Way, between 38th and 95th, 65th between Sandpoint and Magnuson Park, inside Magnuson Park, Seaview between Golden Gardens and 34th Avenue. That's a a, a hot spot up there 
Third Avenue Northwest between Leary Way and 145th. I didn't know about that one. Martin Luther King between South Massachusetts and South Henderson. And Rainier Avenue between South Jackson to the city limits. Uh, Tammy Morales, one of the council members, said that in her district, MLK and Rainier are the two most dangerous. 270 crashes over last year. And I, I take exception with something that Tammy Morales said here. Uh, she's quoted as saying, until we start to prioritize the lives of residents over speed and the ease of motor vehicles, until we truly make a concerted effort to redesign our streets, enforcement is what we have. I don't agree with that. I would say that it would be much better if the city council and the police department got together. <laughs> There's a laugh. If the city council and the police department and some group of volunteers, some people got together and treated this as a sport, you have lots of, um, of room out at Magnuson Park. There's uh, runways out there, things that, you, you know, pieces of, of street that used to be runways. Why not set those up and give these kids a chance to blow off some steam? Because they're going to do it anyway. You know, it's, 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 it's the same thing as prostitution. You know, you drive up on Aurora Avenue, and for years they've been trying to get the, uh, the ladies of the night off of Aurora Avenue. But it's, it ex it, 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 it's, they can't do it. You move them to one block, they go to another block. You go to another block, they move them to another block. Well, it's the same thing with street racing. You move them one place, you uh, wire up a place with cameras, they're going to go find someplace else. So why not think out of the box? Why not go back to the 50s and try to regulate it so that instead of a, a, a kid losing their car and somebody getting hurt, there can be um, a, a system where kids could go and gather and and watch each other race. I don't know, maybe Pacific Raceways uh, could open up at night, open up until 2 or 3 in the morning. I don't know. I don't know what the people that live around there think about it. Uh, Magnuson Park seems to be one of the places that I looked at and said, boy, you could put this here, and it's not near anybody's house. You know, it's, it just somehow is obviously off a standpoint way, but it's not directly at somebody's house. And you could regulate it. You could uh, have uh, uh, volunteer parents involved in it. And maybe let these kids blow off a little steam with less of a chance of people getting hurt. I, I, I think, again, I'm not for breaking the law. But I understand how this law gets broken. I understand the psychology of a street racer. Uh, because many, many, many years ago, I was one. And if you don't fix this problem, and I'm, I'm here to tell you, I don't think, I may be wrong. I'm, I'm, I don't know everything in the world. 
But I'm going to tell you that the only thing that's going to happen is the kids are going to find a, a, a road in Snohomish County. They're going to go down to Pierce County. They're going to go somewhere else. Because having a car, is, if people don't understand it, is a status symbol at that age. You come over here, you go over here by uh, by Dick's, by where I live in Edmonds, and you go there on a, on a Friday night or a Saturday night, and you're going to, you know, you're going to see uh, an unbelievable amount of kids in cars that um, camp out there, hang out with each other, and, um, you know, try to, uh, listen, it's where the cool kids hang out. And they gather, and they uh, they sit around, they look at each other's cars, they talk about each other's cars, and, you know, and, and then what, what eventually happens is... Somebody says, well, let's see whose car can go fast. And they go out on Aurora Avenue on Highway 99, and they start racing. And uh, I haven't heard of any serious collisions up there lately, but I guarantee you that there's been some. There's no doubt in my mind that there has, uh, that there has been some. And so, again, I think the only way that you can uh, do something about this that is going to um, help the problem along is to explore some some city council person, some county council person is going to have to have the nerve to do this because it's not going to be popular. It wasn't popular back then, and it's not going to be popular now. But my father used to be part of uh, a group that explored trying to use Flushing Airport for a drag strip to get these kids off the street. And I don't know what the city council uh, Tuesday, uh, as I said, it's it's the speed camera ordinance has passed with the city council passed on, I think, July 25th. And it's going to cost the city a lot of money. You're still going to have to enforce it. Um, and you're still going to have to get, you know, have, have a squad of cops that are going to go out and have to impound these cars, confiscate these cars, so on and so forth. So I, um, I mean, again, I, I don't know what the, the final solution is, but I know that, just putting these cameras up is not going to stop the street racing. It's only going to move it somewhere. So the people that live along Alki may have a quieter time, but somebody that's up on Charleston uh, or, or some similar street like that where there's a long stretch of street, they are going are gonna to pay the price. And it's, um, it's uh, again, you know, why not turn this into a, a positive if you can? Why not try to turn this into something that will um, benefit these kids, give them something to, to, uh, to hang on to? Uh, 
I mean, I, I, I know it's a, I know it sounds crazy letting them speed, letting them do this. But if you do it, and you can make it attractive to them, maybe uh, you know, maybe you can get them interested in it. It's an idea, and, and you need ideas. Whether it's a good idea, bad idea, I don't know. But you need ideas to, to stop this because people are getting hurt. Innocent people are getting killed and hurt because of this. It can't continue to happen on Aurora, and it can't continue to happen on Alki, and it can't continue to happen on West Marginal. It can't continue to happen uh, on Martin Luther King Jr. way. I mean, as you know, that one of these kids is going to wind up in somebody's bedroom. So um, if you're in Seattle, contact your city council person and ask them, what can they do? What can we do? Is there anything we can do besides just putting cameras up? Again, I think the cameras are a good idea. I think the cameras are a smart idea, but it's not going to stop it. It's only going to move it. You know, you go down to the, to the uh, industrial districts out down by Ikea in Kent on a Friday or Saturday night, and they're all racing down there. It's a popular sport right now. It's, it, you know, it, it leans in and out in popularity, but with Detroit and others, and, and let's face it, all manufacturers putting out, um, you know, 600-horsepower uh, uh, cars, this type of power, this type of speed is more accessible to our kids than ever. And listen, don't get me wrong. Um, I think that to get one of these cars, to operate one of these cars, you should have a special license that shows that you have the capacity to operate that vehicle, that you know what to do in case of an emergency that you know how to handle that type of horsepower. I mean, you know, if you're a parent going out and buying your, your kid a, a 700 horsepower uh, Dodge Challenger is maybe not the swiftest idea in the world. And, you know, I like to say, well, you know, it's uh, the parent's responsibility. But listen, we know what happens. The parents uh, at times can not be responsible. The parents at times don't pay attention to what their kids are um, are doing or what their cars are like. And in case you think it's going to go away, well, we'll have electric cars. The electric cars are faster in many ways in a, in a drag race than are the combustion engine cars. The only difference is the um, electric cars are quieter. But make no mistake about it. You um, you have uh, you have a situation here, and you can't just put cameras up and expect that it's going to go away because it's not going to go away. It's only going to go onto somebody else's neighborhood or onto somebody else's property, unless you figure out a way to provide these kids a safe place to do this. So that's my, that's my spiel for this morning on that. I think it's important. Uh, I think we're in the middle of, uh, and again, I, you know, um, I go to, to places in Marvel 
at some of the cards that these kids put together out of cars that I never thought would be able to go fast. And they put a lot of pride and a lot of work into these cars. You know, for some of these kids, it's their only outlet. It's the, you know, that there's a lot of, of, um, a lot of craftsmanship, a lot of workmanship, a lot of time spent um, putting these cars together. Money, too. And, again, I think it's 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 got to be something where the people that are, uh, are running things here are a little bit more cognizant of what's going on. Uh, what the harder matter is, you don't just say we're going to stop it. Uh, you have to say we're going to stop it, but we're also going to explore a way to do something about it that will be beneficial to people before more people get hurt. So that's that's my uh, that's my spiel. For this morning, I know that uh, I know you love to hear me spiel, so that's my that's my spiel. Uh, you know, let's let's figure out a way to help these uh, to help this problem, not just by putting cameras up, by also uh, uh, taking out the um, the incentive to race on the street, to move it off the street and onto a place where uh, where these kids can do it without hurting themselves. Or hurting each other. Okay? All right. Um, it is Drive Time Radio. I'm New York Vinny. We are on KKNW 1150. Uh, in case you are new, we also broadcast on uh, the internet. We're on YouTube. We are on uh, Facebook. We're on any anybody that'll let us broadcast. We're, we're on them. <laughs> we got we got to be. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's uh, let, let's let's bring in Nathan. I know I've been talking a lot here this morning, so let me uh, let me bring in Nathan and see what uh, Nathan has to offer us this morning in the way of his astute observation. Nathan, good morning. How are you? Hey, good morning, Vinny. A uh, little bit of a slowpoke this morning, but finally here. Well, we got you in. That was the that, that's the main thing. We got you in. And uh, traffic w- is is a mess out there, huh? At least on 405 northbound going north between uh, around Renton Landing to Newcastle. It is just a complete standstill, basically. Well, you know, I was gone last weekend, but I understand the traffic was unbelievable last weekend as well with the Taylor Swift concert and the ball games and everything else that was going on. So, um, you know, it's that summer, it's, it's, it's road fixing season, man. That it is. And they got two lanes closed on 405, so reduced to only one lane right now. Yeah, that's, uh, so avoid that if you possibly can. Yeah, take Cole Creek Parkway or something. Go, go as far as you can the other way. Yeah. Uh, to try to, uh, to to miss that. I know I'm going to go out later and, I'm not looking forward to that. By the way, I didn't mention, if you're looking for something to do this morning, go see my friends at uh, Shoreline Cars and Coffee over there on Westminster, right by the town and country market. Uh, They should be out in pretty good numbers this morning, even though it's gray over here. Uh, They turn out in the middle of winter. 
And if you want to see some fine cars and you want to talk to people about cars and the collected car sport, I know my friend Lance Lambert is down there uh, or goes down there. I don't know if he's down there this particular morning, but people that uh, are into the automotive, you want to find kindred spirits that are into uh, the automotive lifestyle and also get yourself a free cup of coffee and Sometimes somebody even shows up with a dozen donuts or something. Uh, head on over to Shoreline Cars and Coffee. It's a great day. You can find them on Facebook. And uh, tell all my friends over there, I said hello. Uh, Nathan, how was your week? Okay? Yeah, my week was good. A busy one, too. But I like okay. being busy. It keeps me going. Keeps me sane. There you go. You're not a street racer, are you, Nathan? You don't You don't take that car of yours and go and go drag racing out on the uh, boulevards and avenues of our fair city do you oh thankfully not okay do you do you watch it at all i mean do you go and gather where no cars are meant for transportation not racing in my opinion oh nathan you pain me when you say that (laughs) (laughs) i mean there are Uh, racing cars that are meant for the track yeah, yeah, obviously, but uh, so do you have friends that, that race or? Um, um, no, or, I don't think so. No? Okay. Because, you know, I mean, obviously you go by a Dick's or a drive-in or a bunch, you know, different places and they're out on a Friday, Saturday night. Uh, I, I drove through uh, through Dick's over here last night. And there was, you know, 150, 200 cars there. Yeah, but, you know, it's uh, definitely a culture. And, yeah, it's, it's definitely a piece of... Uh, of culture that, uh, and, and with the cameras, I just don't know what's, I don't know how, how that's going to work. I think it'll work out okay for a little bit, but kids are going to figure out a way to circumvent those things, either blocking their license plates or something. So I was going to say, they always got those, uh, uh, radar detectors that can tell you if there is a LIDAR ahead or, uh, they can like tint their license plates so it doesn't quite get caught by cameras. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it, there's there's ways to to get through those, uh, and I don't I don't want the city council to throw away a bunch of money on cameras if they're if they're not going to work. Um, but you know, the other side of the coin is you have to uh, you have to try to do something. Uh, about the problem because people are getting hurt out there. But again, you know, the people that get hurt a lot of times are the idiots that, uh, you know, uh, with any group of people, you have idiots. Uh, You know, the other morning, I think on I-5, there were two people racing, two white BMWs racing at 8 o'clock in the morning. Mm. I mean, how freaking stupid do you have to be to be racing uh, each other at eight o'clock in the morning. Are you talking about a weekday morning? A weekday morning, yeah. So that's right in rush hour. Yeah, pretty stupid, uh, you know, if you ask me. So anyway, um, all right. What do we? Uh, let's see. We. Uh, I, I'm sure that there's a question that you want to ask me, Nathan. That, I mean, that, that's that really the whole reason why I fought through traffic on 405 to be here was just to ask you, Yo, Vinny, what are you driving this week? There you go, Nathan. Look at that. Nathan is uh, Nathan's my man. My man, Nathan is 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 true to the show, man. He's he's the biggest uh, he's the biggest reason the show continues. I think sometimes. <laughs> All right, now time to go back on four hundred five and get stuck in traffic again. I've asked the yeah, question. Stuck in, as my father used to tell me, "Go play in traffic, kid." <laughs> um, <laughs> All right, this week we're driving a twenty twenty two Hyundai Santa Fe plug in hybrid. 
Um, this is an interesting car. It is a car that if you do most of your driving, now, first of all, the Santa Fe is Hyundai's uh, SUV, midsize SUV. It's a great car. Um, I have a couple of relatives that have uh, bought them and they love them. Uh, they're uh, uh, roomy inside. Matter of fact, I think the Santa Fe might be the roomiest car in its class inside. Uh, the, <clears throat> excuse me, the um, uh, uh, design of the car is easy on the eyes. As a matter of fact, if you have seen the design of the new Santa Fe that's coming out, I think that's the car that everybody is going to go nuts over. It really is a, a sharp looking, looks nothing like the old Santa Fe. The, the Hyundai is bringing back the days where when a new car showed up, it looked different than the other cars. Maybe that'll uh, <clears throat> maybe that'll it'll work. Maybe it won't, but it's going to be fun to watch. Anyway, the uh, Santa Fe plug-in hybrid is uh, is just that. You have an electric motor. You have a gasoline motor. Where the electric motor does you really well is the um, the ability to drive around town on electric. I think the range is uh, 40 miles, 40, 40 to 50 miles on electric. And the um, most of your trips that you're going to take around town are, you know, under that mileage. If you're going down to the store, going down to the mall, this will get you there electrically. And then when you come back home, you plug it in, you charge it up, and you take your small trips. But if you have to take a longer trip, there's also a gasoline engine in the car as well so that it will take you wherever you want to go without fear of not being able to find a uh, charging spot. Uh, Hyundai does this extremely well in this car uh, the transition from electric to gasoline is seamless it's programmed to uh, feel when you are driving uh, which need you have better when you go on a highway obviously when you hit the gas to a certain level it switches into gasoline and it drives along not the quickest car in the world so far i gotta tell you it's it's got some some bump when you're getting on the highway or, uh, you know, driving around town on electric. It has that, you know, that, that electric um, uh, off-the-line torque that that type of uh, motor delivers. It has several different speeds, including a, a lock to distribute uh, the power evenly to the front and the rear of the vehicle it is um well done well appointed lots of uh, uh goodies in the interior of the car including push button transmission uh maybe the best telephone charger in any car i've seen so far uh since they've been putting wireless chargers in cars uh hyundai really hits it with this one, you slide the phone into the charger so it's not sliding around all over the place or moving around all over the place. And it really works uh, spectacularly, I think. And uh, lots of 
places to put stuff, lots of cubby holes, uh, a great dashboard uh, little shelf where you can put stuff on there. And, uh, you know, things like gloves, you know, soft items. Obviously, you don't want to put anything hard on there. Uh, but, you know, soft items and uh, know exactly where they are when you need them. It gets, um, so far, the, uh, uh, I don't have the number on the mileage. I haven't done the uh, the mileage yet. It has a small gas tank, one of the draws back, drawbacks uh, on this vehicle, just a 12.4-gallon tank. Uh, if you are going to do a lot of long-distance commuting or um, road tripping in this car, this might not be the car for you. But if you are looking for a car that's going to get you around town, if most of your trips are going to pick up the kids, uh, you know, running around to the local stores and stuff like that, uh, this is really a vehicle that bears looking at, except for one thing. There is uh, a 2024 version of the Santa Fe that's coming out that I think is spectacular. And if you can wait for that, and who knows how long it's going to be until they get the plug-in hybrid version of that out, but if you can wait for that boxy Land Rover-like looking SUV, the, the new Santa Fe, you're going to see something that's very unique and very different from anything you see on the road. We talked about it a little bit last week, and uh, it is just uh, a vehicle that is, uh, so it might be worth, uh, you know, jumping on the internet and searching out the 2024 Santa Fe and looking at that and seeing, do I want to wait for that or do I want to buy a Santa Fe now? Uh, the base price on this car is $46,585 uh, with the uh, the options <clears throat> and everything. I think it runs it a little bit north of 50. It's got a 76 MPGE gas and electric, and it has 31 miles of electric range, although if you drive with a light foot, you can probably uh, stretch that out a little bit. Uh, you know, fully charged and not using the air conditioning and stuff like that. Luckily, we haven't used uh, had to use the air conditioning. So that is our Yovini. What are you driving this week? If you see me driving this thing around, by all means, stop by and say hi, and uh, we'll give you a tour of the car and, um, you know, get you uh, as familiar with it as I am. All right, time now for our Saturday morning cartoon. Uh, it's a little piece of music brought to you every Saturday morning uh, so that uh, you can have the car culture and the music culture kind of come together and meet. This time we have one from a, a guy that is a legendary country singer and also a legendary race car driver. Yes, this man has uh, has driven NASCAR. He's driven race cars. Uh, he knew what it was like to live that lifestyle. And so, of course, the late, great Marty Robbins wrote a song about it. And here he is, Marty Robbins, on our Saturday morning cartoon. There you go, Marty Robbins, the late, great Marty Robbins here on the Saturday morning cartoon. Uh, but Marty Robbins, you may remember the song El Paso and a white sport coat and a pink carnation and many, many hits. Uh, Marty had a ton of hits 
uh, in the uh, 50s and the 60s and into the uh, 70s. But uh, Marty also uh, drove in NASCAR. <clears throat> he was a, a somewhat successful NASCAR driver. As a matter of fact, he had a top five finish in the 1974 Motor State 360 in Michigan. Ran mostly Plymouth's Dodgers or Fords. Uh, wound up, his last car was an 81 Buick Regal that he rented. He always had a magenta and yellow car, number 42. And <clears throat> he was um honest guy, a very honest guy. That, um, a lot of people... A lot of people um, uh, uh, credited him with saving Richard Childress's life at the 1974 Charlotte 500 by crashing into a wall rather than T-boning Childress's car that was stopped across the track. So, um, you know, Marty not only uh, sang the song uh, and walked the walk, but he also drove the drove the drive. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, uh, the late, great Marty Robbins, always one of my favorites. As a matter of fact, Marty and I um, uh, were are completely in, intertwined musically as uh, when I was a contestant many years ago on Name That Tune. Remember that TV show, Name That Tune? Uh, I was a contestant on that. And one of the first songs, I don't know if it was the first one I was asked, asked but... Um, one of the first songs that I got right was a white sport coat and a pink carnation. Although I screwed up the answer a little bit, but they gave it to me. They gave, they gave me white sport coat. Uh, they, they got that. I got it. So they gave it to me. And uh, that one of the great experiences of my life being on uh, name that tune. That was, <laughs> that was a, a ton of fun, a, a ton of, uh, of fun. So, Marty Robbins, uh, you know, you, you, you don't see uh, people like that much anymore that have that kind of dual career where they race. Uh, it, it, it's less and less, I think. I know you had people like uh, Paul Newman that did it and Marty Robbins, and there's been a, uh, a few others that have, uh, that have done it, but uh, for the most part, People kind of stick to their, <clears throat> excuse me, stick to their, um, you know, to their, their, their regular vocation. So um, I wanted to take a moment to uh, talk a little bit about another piece. Well, there's a couple of pieces of news that are coming down the pike. Uh, the biggest one I think that might affect you and I and, and everybody is that uh, seven car makers are going to make a network out of 30,000 EV chargers. So the car makers are getting involved in this now because they want to sell these electric cars. And they realize that part of this experience of selling an electric car is that you have to be able to charge it. So uh, you've seen in recent weeks that uh, a couple of manufacturers have gotten together with uh, with uh, Tesla and said that we're going to, uh, you know, that we're going to go with the Tesla charger. Well, seven 
of the world's top automakers have also announced a joint venture to build an EV charging network in North America. 30,000 CCS and NACS chargers. They're saying that uh, the chargers should be up and running by the summer of 2024. Uh, Let's see who's in on this. BMW, Mercedes, GM, Honda, Hyundai, Kia, and Stellantis looking to uh, put 30,000 high-powered charge points in urban and highway locations to ensure that customers can charge whenever and wherever they need. Summer 2024 is where they say the first ones will open up and the stations will be accessible to all electric vehicle customers, not just the seven partners in the joint venture. I mean, everything has to be uh, worked out as far as billing and access and maintenance and uh, so on and so forth. But uh, Ola Kalinius of uh, Mercedes-Benz said what they need now is, uh, is, these, is these machines. They need speed, political, social, and corporate boundaries to accelerate the shift to electric vehicles. Charging is an inseparable part of the EV experience, and this network will be another step to make it as convenient as possible. And it's true. The biggest thing that you run into, the biggest problem that we see with the electric vehicles is the fact that, you know, charging them uh, through all these different networks and people that have gotten involved in this can be a nightmare. Uh, If the charger works, maybe it doesn't take your credit card. Maybe the credit card reader is busted. I mean, it can be one big pain, royal pain in the butt to try to charge a car. And... Uh, hopefully this will make that a seamless endeavor. Uh, Again, I don't know all of the logistics to it, and I'm sure that they'll be getting some uh, federal money out of it. Um, It's not clear yet whether car makers will get funding directly from the U.S. National Electric Vehicle Infrastructure Program, uh, or it's going to be funded by the car makers alone, or a little of each. But Auto Week is reporting that uh, that they're going to get they're going to get these things going. This joint venture will uh, work with local governments and public funding <clears throat> to help enable a setup of the network. Um, you have an infrastructure out there already in gas stations, so I'm sure that at some point they're going to have to. Um, take a look at that and say that this is uh, probably the way that we should go is to uh, put these chargers in gas stations and so on and so forth and get that, uh, get that taken care of. All right. Time now for our little <coughs> weekly auto review. The drive time radio road test every week. Vinny puts another car through its paces and lets you know the good, the bad and the ugly. Excuse me, I did not get my uh, my coffee this morning, so I was running a little a little crazy this morning. So, as I think the whole world was, I think just the whole world was off a little bit this morning. <laughs> so we were uh, we were we were just trying to get uh, get everything um, up for you. So, unfortunately, we didn't get the uh, video of what we were trying to do this morning into the loaded into the uh, machine but that happens every once in a while but this morning we take a look at the mazda cx90 
And the CX-90 is Mazda's entry into, <clears throat> excuse me, Mazda's entry into the uh, larger SUV market. It replaces the CX-9, which uh, the CX-90 is bigger, larger, uh, more comfortable in many, many ways. I drove the um, the uh, uh, hybrid boost uh, Skyactive inline six turbo uh, CX90. That um, uh, Turbo S, uh, which had 340 horsepower, 369 pound-feet of torque. When you use premium fuel, 319 horsepower on regular fuel. I put premium into this thing, drove it down to uh, Redmond, Oregon to see Willie Nelson in back. And it was a great road car. It looks, uh, you know, it's a little slabby looking. I got I to gotta admit that. That it's a little less than that fine, refined design that you expect from Mazda. It's it's a big vehicle, but as far as running and as far as doing a job on the road, as far as uh, getting you where you needed to go, uh, the 340 horsepower uh, that uh, we got from this thing, putting premium fuel into it, uh, well, um, uh, took care of hills and mountains and other things that we had to go over to get to central oregon now i'm excited to drive the uh, plug-in hybrid of this that has an electric kilowatt uh, motor 100 kilowatt motor and a, a i4 engine that produces 323 horsepower into an eight-speed automatic transmission but the design on this thing i mean monster is going up market and uh, for a three-row suv I thought the highlights were the rear row um, of this SUV was accessible. It was roomy. It actually, you could fit people back there. Uh, you know, it wasn't just for children. You could put a couple of people back there um, somewhat comfortably for, uh, you know, for a certain amount of time. I wouldn't want to drive across country in that third row, but I wouldn't mind driving across town or, uh, you know, maybe across the state. In it, it's not that bad. There was also, uh, with the size of this CX90, plenty of room behind that third rear seat if you had a if you were taking that many people for luggage and things that you're going to carry with you. Uh, I would still say that you would probably want the roof rack if you were going to take seven people uh, or six people with you in this thing to get all the luggage in, but there is uh, a pretty good amount of space back there to uh, uh, store your luggage. It's rated up to 5,000 pounds when you use the MyDrive towing mode and the towing accessories are uh, put in there. And the mileage is decent on this thing. The Turbo um, CX-90 gets 28 on the freeway, 25 combined, 24 in the city. And uh, the way that the engine is laid out gives you a lot of hood. It's got a huge hood. A lot of room inside, and it is comfortable. The materials that are used in this car are top flight. Um, again, Mazda really trying to impress people with the way the car rides. It doesn't handle as good of a lot of other as a lot of other Mazdas do, but yet you still feel that Mazda pedigree in driving this thing. At fifty thousand, uh, 
six, excuse me, $60,100 was the sticker price on the one that I drove. And of course, it's available at your Mazda dealer. Mazdas are always a top safety pick of the IIHS. That'll wrap up the show today. Thank you so much for listening. We will catch up with you next Saturday morning if the Lord's willing and the creek don't rise. Have a good one.